Ladies and gents, welcome to episode 88 of A. Thompson and Other Disappointments, your twice weekly delve into the worlds of politics, dystopia, and hopefully with a few doom lols along the way. If it's your first time listening, then congratulations for using your ears. Uh, if you were looking for a stimulating, well-researched weekly review of the depths and breadth of modern British politics, you are in luck because I think Alistair Campbell's one is out and it is rather good. Uh, I jest. Even uh, even Alistair Campbell says, you know what? I have worked in the nerve centre of government for years and I have a lot of opinions on that, about all things politics. But honestly, Aid, what you bring to the table is a carefully constructed dossier of outlandish claims aid, frankly, and questionably sourced opinions. Big fan of the show is Campbell. He's always on the live chat, um, asking questions like, uh, will you refrain from spouting nonsense about me in your live chat aid? Um, but on that note, special hello to uh, all of you joining us on the live stream tonight on YouTube, uh, where there's a live chat feature for you to tell me that I look like a hungover rat if you are anything like one of the recent uh, commenters on there. That's lovely to read. Really, um, really love it. Really kicks my week off, a uh, weekend off in the right way. Happy Jubilee to me. Um, and also an extra special sensual and appropriate hugs welcome to Kerry and Paul, my two Patreons. Uh, and in indeed to the chap that bought me a beer. Uh, this is two weeks ago now. Uh, a guy came on to uh, like buy me a coffee. I have a link for buy me a coffee. And I have it set up to buy me a beer instead, because that's more me, right? Um, and it did have his name on there two weeks ago when he did it. But now I've gone back to go and like find out his name to see what his name was so I can thank him like at the beginnings and the ends of the, the episodes. And it's gone anonymous. So it's like he supported the show, bought me a beer, but then clearly it takes two weeks for the shame of supporting this to truly manifest. Like two weeks of consideration before he goes hang on like i'm i'm trying to run a caking bake like business or i'm 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 a prospective candidate for a parliamentary party i can't be associated with boris fucks livestock like quick change the name delete the profile photo two weeks later gone so now i can't i can't thank whoever this anonymous guy was who bought me a beer uh, but thank you anonymous dude um could have also been a, a case of mistaken identity too i think like he could have gone on to the buy me a coffee profile and like he didn't mean to donate it to me uh he got it wrong maybe you know let's not discount that very real possibility that he mistook my profile on there for someone else and thought the guy that he was buying a coffee to support was like i don't know paul giamatti or something that's that's the only other person i've been told that i look like other than a fucking rat but at least it's not a rat right um anyway see look gym people any gym people or people that like just work for gyms, like Fitness First, uh, just consider that, right, from rat to Paul Giamatti in one year of healthy eating, going to the gym. Put that on your fucking posters. Um, where's my advertising contract? Uh, before we get into this, and indeed before we get into mauling my guest tonight, feverishly interrogating him on his thoughts and feelings over the state of the world, um, quick pitch, all of the episodes of the podcast go on Patreon first, so if you want first access, and if you can't wait, uh, the three days delay in between doing the live streams and them going on to uh, the other platforms, 
um, either jump on the live stream as perhaps you may be tonight and get involved in the live chat uh, every Friday at half past seven or jump on the Patreon and subscribe to one of the three, frankly, dirt cheap tiers that are on there. Uh, that is it. That's the boring sales pitch done. Sorry for shitting in your ear holes for those 40 seconds. My guest tonight is what you're all here for. My guest tonight is a returning favorite from the last two seasons. He's been on solo before. Uh, and we've discussed trans rights and JK Rowling um, and his journey into political comments. Uh, and we frequently form two thirds of a filthy political three way uh, on here when he joins me and Super Tansky. Uh, and the three of us try to make sense of the sen senseless uh, togethers uh, his intellect, Tan's comedy, and my shameless riding on both of their coattails. We are the triple threat. Uh, he runs the highly influential Politically Enraged blog. Uh, but you can also find him on Twitter and TikTok, where he speaks eloquently about everything from Tory corruption to tactical voting to trans rights. But most importantly, he's an all-round lovely chap. And I am psyched that he's found an hour to spend with me tonight talking shit about the state of the world. Please welcome Davey Moo. Woo! And that was a fantastic introduction that built me up to a fantastic height, which still isn't good enough. And I'm ashamed of you. Oh. Okay. I mean, I tried. I tried my best. I wrote that whilst chasing my daughter around the garden earlier. I, do you know, for some weird reason, I almost said chasing my girlfriend around the garden. It's got completely different connotations. Who? Careful, Ed. You're not Prince Andrew. No, no. Uh, evening to those of you in the chat. We've got Ricardo, uh, Josh. Hey, Josh. Uh, Loopy Lou, Tanzin, Rachel. Busy night tonight. Uh, hope all of you guys are doing excellent. Um, most importantly, though, Davey, how are you? I am fine. I will in advance apologise for the fact that I may occasionally have to leap forward and hit the mute button because I've still got a cough from that goddamn chest infection. Oh, dear. And frankly, from choking on my old rage constantly because of the absolute state of fuckery that has become British politics. But other than that, I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm OK. Yeah, uh, I've had a bit of a weird week with the kids. Nothing really politically related. <laughs> But uh, both my kids have had this weird bug where they've completely gone off, off their food. Like, so my daughter is like almost 18 months old and she didn't eat for five days. And my son just had this weird night where he's just burning up and not coughing. Like, it's not COVID. There's nothing COVID-y about it. But both, I don't know. Both of them have just been a bit off. So as a dad, I've been sort of shitting my pants a little bit this week. Like, I've, oh, no. <laughs> like, what have we done to them? There has been a lot going around, though, I've noticed. It's like, as you, you know, you, you were in, you've been in the group chat with me while I've been recording for a while. Every time I did a vlog, you know, it was like, hello, Sydney. Are you alone <laughs> in the house? It was fucking terrible. So I think there's just diseases rife at the minute. I've heard that it's something along the lines of, like, because everyone stayed in for mm. so long, not mixing, not breathing in each other's horrible germs. Uh, that our immune systems have sort of declined. I don't know if the, if that's scientifically accurate, but I've read that in a place. It could be. I do remember when I started uni, and obviously everyone warned you about the freshest flu. Yeah. Man, did I get a case of the freshest flu. I ended up being on um, steroids, and I had to take eight of them a day, like these tiny little pills. Yeah. And, oh, God, I just remember how long it took me to get over that. It was a nightmare. Are you sure this was like flu medication? Because, you know, freshers, students going out, people dishing out pills. I'm just saying. I mean, it is possible. I was very easily misled back in, back in yeah. the old days. And so you felt under know. the weather. Or, you know, it's, it's all yeah. coming together. Um, oh, God. No, I'm not, I'm not the main one in my family who, like, accidentally takes drugs. I do have some fantastic stories about that that I've been told throughout the years. 
Good. Well, I look forward to, uh, to, to, to picking away that scab on another episode of the podcast. But tonight we have, as usual, two or three topics to, uh, to peel the onion of. We do. Um, a lot's happened in the last week. Uh, we've had the latest, <laughs> latest episode in the 10 box set series of Partygate. <laughs> uh, we've had the Jubilee weekend is obviously what we're in at the moment. Um, uh, and we've also had the, the Depp Heard trial has reached its conclusion. Uh, over the last few days i'm keen to get your thoughts on on each of these topics mm-hmm. um so let's let's just jump into it uh first question bit of a psychological one if you'll indulge me as i sit back in my armchair psychologist chair uh <laughs> obviously right so it's the jubilee weekend and there is a cliche among the left i think that we all hate the royals i feel like that's something that gets wheeled out is like when there's a big royal occasion people always mock the guardian for kind of being a bit snooty about it and there's this i think misunderstanding that we all want it abolished that princesses should be dragged from the tower and hung in the town square and you know clearly that's not 100 percent accurate uh there's only one member of the royal family that we actually want to see dragged out of a castle and then put in stocks and pilloried with rotten veg. Uh, and that is Prince George, an evil child. Uh, I, I mean, he's, you know, by by far and wide, the most evil member of, like, already. And he's not even, like, how old is he? And it's not even close. He's clearly the most evil. I don't um, know. Reminds me of that kid from The Omen. Yes. I also get Omen vibes from <laughs> him. Just a mean child with an evil heart. I think we can agree on that. Who feasts on blood of babies. Um, Yeah, I joke. Um, But not about that. Uh, But but no, just going back to my original point, uh, there's there's a cliche among some circles that the left sort of hate the royals, that we're we're fundamentally against uh, the royals. Why do you think that is? What do you think it is about someone who subscribes to sort of left-leaning ideology that might also make them go, I don't like the royal family? If you ask me, the fundamentals of leftist politics is that everybody is or at least should be treated the same, regardless of their advantages. Like, it it shouldn't matter that you were born in a castle or, for example, you were born in New York and started out as a dual citizen, not that I'm thinking of anyone in particular. Um, (laughs) But it's, it's this idea that because the Queen was born of royalty, she should be royalty and therefore she is superior to you and I and anybody else listening to this right now. She's been given a life of immense privilege. And then, you know, I had this discussion with uh, Marina Perkis yesterday. Like, it's not that I'm saying that the Queen doesn't, like, work hard necessarily, mm. but you know, like I wish that I had like 27 assistants who tell me what to do and tell me what to say and get me dressed and pick up my outfit. And I just go there and I go, hello, my name's David. And this is a beautiful building that I'm opening today. And I hope you all enjoy it. Right. Can I go now? <laughs> because that, that's, that's essentially Royal duties. And yeah, that's an important point. It's sort of like, nobody's denying that she works hard, certainly for a woman in her nineties. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but harder than a nurse. Like this is the thing. I think we get told a lot that you know the people that work hard. I don't think you know. I don't even think that Boris Johnson doesn't work hard in the sense that he does a lot of things. It's just that the things that he's doing are you know like sticking his claws into democracy and tearing it asunder. But like, it's a different kind of working hard than someone who 
is working hard and still can't afford their mortgage and still can't really afford their food and they're not really sure if their car's going to last till the end of the year mm. and they're wondering if they're going to have to move to a smaller place and things like that. That's what working hard is. Working hard is better top up my incomprehensibly large sum of 12 billion estates. Like, mm. that's, like how, can you work, how can you work enough to earn that? Yeah. How can you do it? Yeah, so for you, it sort of comes down to a a classic sort of question of meritocracy. So the the illusion is in the UK that it, the harder you work, the more successful you will become, right? If you've just put in enough effort, then you can also become a CEO. But we all kind of know how simplistic and ridiculous that is because some people just have a, a significantly better start is probably a polite way of putting it. But it's but even the people who work really, really hard and get up to the point who are now sort of, you know, neck and neck with the people who had the head start, still they find themselves kind of oppressed, pushed out of the race, not taken seriously. Absolutely. It's like no one's denying that you can work to a certain level. Mm. But there's this like this myth that's pushed by like people like the Queen, like the Conservatives, like bloody molly may like kim kardashian who say like you know this this millions is just like it's just hard work away you've got to make sure you don't sleep and sacrifice and i'm like all of you were born into families that already yeah. had all these connections you got given the places and the the other thing is as well it's tied really intrinsically to education and i've written a lot on my blog about how flawed the education system is and why that's by design. Mm. Like they make education fail some people because if we all got as educated as we could be and we were all brain surgeons and stuff, who the fucking hell would make the sandwiches? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, do you think it's actually that sort of Machiavellian and, and devious like from the top levels or is it, I mean, it's, it's sort of, the system works, right? For that exact reason, you need people to do kind of quite menial, boring jobs. Otherwise, who the fuck would do them if you train everyone up to be a, you know, wealth management consultant or whatever? Uh, but I don't know if it's that, if it's if if it's something that they sort of actively work on like that. I think that's the output of it. But actually, the the motive behind it, I think, for most of them, like your sort of Reese Moggs, your Boris Johnsons, all those guys, and all of their friends in various you know, offices across Canary Wharf. I think for them, it, it's actually just as, as simple as, yeah, well, I went to school and I worked hard and then um, I met this guy at the golf club and he gave me an internship and yeah, well, you could do it too. You know, I think it's just huge ignorance on their part. I do agree with that, but I also think that it's like systemic racism. It was set up at some point and now all we're doing is reinforcing it. Cause it mm. like, if you do, if you look at the Royal family, I, I am a loser and I did some research the golden chariot that's not been used in like 20 years, it's estimated sale price is 1.5 billion. They live in a 12 billion estate. That's 12 million they paid out for Andrew's alleged <laughs> indiscretions. It's 345 million for the taxpayer a year. This is all incomprehensibly large sums of money that we give every single year or that just sit there and do nothing. Yeah. What if, what if genuinely, what if we did deconstruct those things and gave them back to the public? How mm. much better could we make people's lives? with that money like maintain and it just means that we never actually know what could be and maybe it isn't like purposely maintained as in boris johnson sits there going no make them stupider but he doesn't yeah. seek to change it and we don't get improvements to it so we don't know i think there's also a fear factor to it though as well so like where you've got let's say i am a 
a guy that works at Lloyd's in the upper echelons of Lloyd's and uh, I'm on like 500 grand a year and I get like a, you know, 100 grand bonus or some shit. I might actively donate to a party that that uh, seeks to perpetuate private education and Eton and uh, and all of that for fear of that, like if everyone got a shot, at the good jobs, at the good education, at the right networks. If everyone did that, that might dilute my four children's like chances. They might, it might be less of a, you know, I think there's a fear there, however, kind of unfounded. Well, it's very true. I think when you look at it that way and you realize that people, people do acknowledge it mm. because that's the other thing. That's the exact type of person that would tell you, well, all you have to do is work hard. I yeah. worked hard, but they know consciously and that's why they choose to donate to those people and even yesterday there was someone on twitter who and i'm not even joking you said with a complete straight face to me no one has starved to death in britain that hasn't chosen to and i was like (laughs) how does one choose to starve to death exactly and of course they were arguing with me but i was just like these are things that nobody chooses. It's circumstance and happenstance and saying that people choose. People don't choose to be super rich and wealthy. Mm. And you can't exactly blame them for that. It's not their fault. But what you can do is blame them for a lack of perspective because you have to acknowledge that you are in a privileged position mm. and that you don't understand the status quo of loads of people around you. So when people come forward and say, my life is hard because I can't afford this, that and the other, mm. you shouldn't just go, well, I worked really hard and now I have it. It's like, okay. Yeah. And that doesn't feed my kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a classic sort of, I think ego self ego strokey kind of traps that they fall into where you approach them for help or to, to explain to them that some people are really fucking struggling. Uh, and instead of, instead of them listening and considering that, and working out ways to help what they actually do is turn the situation around and then turn it into a story about how they worked really hard and now they've got this you know so it's like look at me i did this aren't i great it'd be really interesting to just sort of cut them off mid-flow and go like that's great and we're all super proud of you you've done so well but this isn't a story about you this is a story about the fucking food bank you over there yeah the thing that always makes me laugh as well, and I will like just to bring it down to a really simple level, YouTubers, right? Mm. I've spent most of this afternoon watching Jacksepticeye, who's one of the biggest gaming YouTubers out there. Mm. And he, like his numbers are obscene how many people are following him and all of those things. And that's brilliant. But you meet people who are like YouTubers and they've got like 600 subscribers. And that's that's good. You know, that's a lot of people. 600 people is a lot. It's, uh, it's not bad. But the problem is... Like yeah. it's it's incomprehensible that people don't see that there's this thing called survivorship bias, because for every Jacksepticeye who's got millions and millions and millions and millions of followers, there's like fifty thousand people behind him mm. who only have ten thousand, eight thousand, six thousand, one thousand. Like, of course, there's some people that can break out of it. Of course, there's some people that can elevate their international class or whatever you want to call it. But that's by design people have to be able to do it on a small scale yeah to prove that you can do it yeah and it's interesting that you bring up the youtuber example because it's an example i always go back to precisely to use as a metaphor for this sort of tory mentality 
uh, that we're all up against, which is if you imagine a YouTuber, an American YouTuber who's like, you know, 16 years old and he's a handsome kid, got beautiful blonde hair, piercing blue eyes, chiseled jaw, objectively a beautiful kid. Uh, and he's on YouTube doing content about like, all you got to do to make it is like put a smile on your face and a song in your heart and you could do it's like no that's all you need to do that's literally all you needed to do was like smile and just do a little lip sync and boom you got a million followers for the rest of us to grow to like fucking oh don't, don't oh, i'm going off on a right rant here um, <laughs> it's true though we both know what the travails are because we're both trying to grow yeah. our following online for very specific reasons and it's like how sexy like and big can you ever get talking about politics you know unless i'm like hey guys so tactical voting like it's <laughs> it, it doesn't work does it's it? Like, it works a little bit i mean it I, I did see that twinkle in your eye and all i'm saying is that you know i could make paid content can you imagine an only fans <laughs> full of like sexy political content i've considered starting an only fans where people pay me to just shut the fuck up like it was just be- <laughs> Like a sort of, you know, blank screen. Chip in here. $5 a month. I won't bother you with any of my shit Instagram promo. I've actually been thinking about starting an OnlyFans that's just me reading erotica through a fan. You look so sexy in that dress. It's kind of got Stephen Hawking vibes. I mean, sexual. (laughs) Sexual hot Stephen Hawking. I'll give you that. So, okay, here's here's the thing. Uh, I, I thought... Or, or sort of forethought, if you like, uh, that you might go into the kind of meritocratic uh, angle in terms of what the left's issue with with the royals might be. Um, but I also wondered, and maybe this is me sort of doing a self-strokey ego thing, but do you think it's do you think it's maybe that on the left we subscribe to critical thinking more, or does that sound really arrogant? It, it might sound arrogant, but it's not untrue. The, like. I like I just can't understand what it, that's not true. I do understand some of what the right wing get out of like thoughtlessly backing the queen because she's the queen and she's like, you know, like like because I used to be really religious as well. And it's got that kind of fervor, that smell of it, doesn't it? Like, don't question this. That's it's who we are. Yeah. Like I used to I used to feel a lot of comfort believing in religion because much like the queen, like she's they're better than me, you know, they've got a plan yeah. and all of that. You get this like sense of there must be something bigger out there than me if if these things happen. And it brings a sense of relief to not have to worry because it's not in your control. But that's absolutely not how we think to me. I just like, I just find it really gauche. And it's like, I don't even like the the way that the, the class system when we talk about it works lower class mm-hmm. upper class yeah you're not you're not above anyone you have more money you have more social mobility absolutely that doesn't mean that you're better it's some of the best people i've ever met have been dirt poor mm. and have been incredibly intelligent and some of the thickest pricks i've ever met in my entire life have been upper middle class i worked with a couple of them and every time we had a conversation i just used to be like how do you not fall down more yeah you know? Yeah, it's a big thing. Like one of my favorite things is seeing working class people kind of run rings around the people who are interviewing them. I've seen it mm-hmm. a couple of times. Uh, I mean, love him or hate him. I saw it a couple of times with Russell Brand when he was yeah. making his big thing about like addressing tax avoidance and he was appearing on Newsnight and all that stuff. Uh, and 
to some extent, right, here's a bit of a curveball. Um, perhaps this will lose me some YouTube subscribers that I desperately need. But uh, to some extent, I saw it with Dapper Laughs. Um, so when he, so I, I used to kind of know him-ish, like from the, the London comedy circuit. And he is about as working class as you can get. You know, he sounds like a wide boy. He, he, I think he was an estate agent before he, uh, before he kind of got big with his comedy stuff. Um, and he caught a lot of flack for jokes that, had they been said by Jimmy Carr, would not have caught anywhere near as much flack. And when he raised that point, people then accused him of sort of playing the class card, almost. I was like, well, hang on a second. That doesn't, like, you're not even answering what he's saying, you know? Well, I think a big part of it is as well, you know, I've had it like just to get all intellectual on your ass. I've been having That's this conversation. Yeah. A little bit of intellectuality on the ass. But um, I've been having a really long conversation the last couple of days about cancel culture and about mm. why cancel culture is absolutely a thing for us, for the left. Mm. Because if you're right wing and you show no contrition whatsoever, how can you ever be cancelled? Mm. Boris, how long has Boris Johnson been in the headlines every single day for months being slated worst prime minister ever worst approval rating ever lied to the British public taking us all for fools are they laughing at us bodies pile high over and over and over and over and over again and mm. he's not he, he's not contrite he was like yeah sorry about that but here's a joke about Partygate yeah. you can't cancel a man like that because he feels no shame but like if I'd done something in my personal life if I'd like had an affair with a married guy and it came out and everyone was like, you're disgusting and awful. I'd be like, I'm just going to delete my online life and just hide because yeah. I feel contrition. You can't, you can't make people feel contrition if they don't. And one of the issues that we have with right-wingers who are more socially mobile, who think they're more intelligent, who think that because they've got money, they're better, you can't cancel them because they think that we're just peons yeah. shouting outside their houses like the torch-wielding villagers of old. And so you can't cancel them. Yeah, the other arse cheek on the same arse as cancel culture is entitlement, really, isn't it? It's like, mm -hmm. I don't think I should lose my show for using this racial slur or you know, slapping this woman around the face. Like, I think I have a God-given right to present on this network at this time. And um, I mean, the, the reality, I think, of cancel culture is that firstly i'm not sure i really believe in it but secondly if there were such a thing as cancel culture really actually what it is is a cancel tier so you drop down from a cnn or an itv or you know good morning britain and then you go down to this sub tier where you know the big big networks aren't really interested in you because you did that thing or you said that thing that people found distasteful. Well, now you're in, you're sort of projected into this second division of stuff like your talk TV, your GB news, and you're doing mm. the, you know, this morning with Schofield interview, like talking about cancel culture. But it, do you know what I mean? Like you, you're, you're not canceled. You're still out there doing your, I've been canceled tour, mm -hmm. but you're now being contracted in by a different sort of subset of media. It seems. It seems to me it actually goes the opposite way because there's been relative unknowns who have managed to leverage their way into higher tiers by mm. saying I've been cancelled. And I just like, honestly, every time I have this discussion, it just confuses me so much how people can be like, woman says she's cancelled for her opinions about trans people on pages two, four and seven of the Daily Mail, the Mirror, the Express, the Guardian, the iPaper and in an interview with BBC News. And I'm like... Are you fucking joking me? <laughs> yeah. I, I often wondered, like, is that if I ever did another Edinburgh show, would I get more audience 
if I suggested that I like I was too edgy for the BBC. That's why the BBC never came knocking. It wasn't because I was fucking shit. It's just <laughs> like too edgy. I was pre-cancelled. Give it a go. That eh, that's your next comedy show right there. Pre-cancelled. Just yeah. come out and be like, fuck you all. Right. Anyway, let's get on with it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's let's move on to our, our next um, topic for tonight. So Partygate. Uh, I feel like I talk about this every week, at least once or twice. Um, 30 letters in, I believe, at the last count. Um, people are actually asking other MPs uh, to hold back because they're worried that if they reach the 54 too quickly, the candidates that want to go for the leadership won't have their campaigns and backers ready. So it's both entirely possible that we will see a vote of no confidence next week and simultaneously entirely possible that it will be delayed for a little while longer. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you see this going in the next few days? I think it's probably not going to happen as quick as it should. Mm. But I also think it's a really complicated situation because people like you and I that are immersed in it, I think we have a, a good read on the situation with the fact that there's, there is nobody in that party that is up to snuff with replacing Boris Johnson. Mm. I mean, like... And by that, I mean doing a quality job, because let's be honest, I could put this bottle in the Houses of Parliament and do a better job than Boris Johnson. But there's nobody in the party that stands the job of weathering the scrutiny of the person after Boris Johnson. Yeah. And I just I just don't know how like how that's going to play out, because the issue is there's this gut feeling inside me. Anybody that's watched your podcast will know or anybody that's read anything that I've written recently will know, you know, like. Partygate, on a personal level, has made me hate this man viscerally. Mm. But my God, if he's not good for damaging the Tory party. And so (laughs) as much as I'm like, you're a piece of shit, get out of power. And certainly because like his his leadership is causing real serious harm to people, to human beings every single day. Mm. I also don't necessarily want it yet because I don't want people to think, slap a different coat of paint on the Tory party, they're fine. And it's like, they're still all there. It's yeah. still the same sharks. You just can't see them now because the fucking light of Boris Johnson's bullpen's gone out. Yeah, yeah. I saw a few. I saw a few tweets. It was a couple of weeks ago, where somebody was saying like, "Is is Boris Johnson still an electoral asset?" And the person replied back like, "Yeah, to Labour." <laughs> like, like a gif of everyone laughing like underneath it. I was like, "Yeah." I mean, it's kind of that's where we're at. And and as you mentioned uh, a minute ago. Um, you know he's really good for labor at the moment and it works incredibly well for anyone that's uh, uh trying to progress the, the the cause of tactical voting uh ejecting tories from power um not even necessarily working towards a labor majority but just trying to get some sort of coalition in power that can start fixing some of the fucking mess that they've created um to have boris johnson still in number 10 when we come round to another general election is frankly kind of a bit of a wet dream for the left a little bit. I think when it comes to tactical voting in particular, I've been having a lot of discussions about it because I went from kind of ambivalence towards tactical voting because I'm lucky enough to live in the Labour area to realise how beneficial it would be to mm. the cause of the left. Yeah. Especially because, you know, I've always considered myself like a patient lefty, like a patient far lefty. My my like ideal politics is way further left than a lot of my friends. Yeah. So I know that tactical voting is perfect for me because I will, in the long run, be heard. But turning around to somebody else who is a Labour voter and saying, you're going to have to vote Lib Dem and they're going to get in, 
might might be a bit of a gut punch, but it's also people have to stop thinking in short term about politics, and that's what drives me insane. Because if you look at what the Tory party have been doing and are doing and will be doing, yeah, they have the long game in their sights. They know that they can disenfranchise enough people from voting against them that they'll maintain power. They know that they can put people off of standing up against them by stopping people protesting. And then it seems like the country's happy because nobody's protesting, but you can't if it's illegal. So mm. it's short-term pain for long-term gain. Sure, you might have a representative that isn't your ideal lefty party, but it's a left-wing person. And then we get a broad coalition, we move forward with politics, we diversify it, we get a different voting system in because FPTP's shite, yeah. to coin one of my dad's favourite words. And then we'll actually have the democracy that we, we, we live in instead of this sham democracy that i've been talking about all day yeah yeah i mean my my fear is that if we continue down this road uh where boris johnson is this sort of you know supposed electoral asset right let's say we get up to the next general election at the moment they are 11 points behind boris johnson is ferociously unpopular getting booed on the way into the uh jubilee thing today <laughs> fucking hilarious uh um I, what I worry about, and perhaps I could get your thoughts on this, is this is where he's at now, right? On the tail end of Partygate and the tail end of the pandemic, we hope. Uh, what is, what's the public's perception going to be of him in a year's time when all of this has kind of faded out a little bit? Patterson slash second jobs, all of that's kind of faded out a little bit. Um, and, and, and we, we're in a, a situation where like the the journo political machine really goes into overdrive exactly the same way as it did with when it was like jeremy corbyn and theresa may or jeremy corbyn and boris johnson once they get in there and they start funneling out the lies the misrepresentations it's on the cover of every single newspaper like i really worry that that 11 point lead will collapse down to like best case scenario two point lead or a three point lead and then just at the ballot box we we fucking lose it like i don't know what i don't know what that would do to me psychologically if the tories are in for like another five years i lie awake worrying about it because it, like the thing is you know i think people that are outside politics see it as an abstract worry mm. but you know when you realize how much politics inf infects your life if you want to put it in the most honest terms yeah you start to realize how precarious the situation that we're in and if that does happen God knows where we're going to end up, you know? Like, they're just going to keep stripping away freedom and rights and ability to talk. They're going to make the press fall more in line, which they're doing by trying to privatise Channel 4, even though 96% of people said they didn't want it, Nadine, and all this other stuff. You know, they're going to keep doing what they're doing. And so we have to weather it. We have to figure out ways to fight back. And that's why it makes me laugh so much. You know, I spoke really openly about this the other day. I got someone took photos of me at Byline Fest and posted them online like they were some kind of amateur spy and accused me of being a, a right-wing fascist. And I was like, yeah, that's me, the really <laughs> outspoken camp gay guy from up north. I'm a fascist, you yeah. freak. Um, <laughs> but the reason why I do what I do, the reason why I get up every day and like research the news and write it down and then make videos and talk about it and tweet people and try and reach new people mm. and talk to like complete strangers about it whenever I can... The reason why I do that is because I hate to sound like one of those weird Americans that's like, the MSM, but 
you cannot trust what's in the mainstream media. We have to have these conversations in person. We have to get the narrative out there mm. that this is unreality that we're living in now. We are in the we're in the post truth era. Yeah, it's writ large everywhere you look. So the time is the time is past to keep going by the old playbook of like you know the honest personal win yeah. or exactly like dominic fucking rob says every time he's interviewed and he goes uh well you'll just have to tell us how you feel at the ballot box because when you're being lied to constantly mm. you think it's a good idea to vote for the baddies but if you can be told the objective truth and that's what i strive for i'm not like you know you must get it as well i get told that i'm like a labor lover a starmer lover and blah 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 all the time or apparently a fascist yeah um <laughs> i'm just fucking honest Yes, yeah. I come at it from a lefty spin because that's who I am. But it also happens that the truth leans left. Yeah. I'm just being honest. If you don't like it, then continue living in unreality. But don't blame me when you're being goose-stepped out of your house because you didn't say you fucking genuflect to your picture of dear leader Boris in the morning. Yeah. I get I get a lot of the, I guess, sort of similar abuse to, to what you and Tan and and Billy and, and everyone get. Uh, I get people telling me I'm a like centrist has become a sort of you know a swear word in some circles. It's like, Aid talks like a socialist, but he's a fucking centrist. I'm just like, oh, fucking why is there why is there some stink on that? Like why why like when did it become such a bad thing to sort of sit in the centre and sort of mediate and try and be realistic about what can be achieved and appeal to voters on like both sides? You know, I think the reason people get so mad with centricism, I think, is because in the world that we're in now, like if we were in an ideal world and people were like, here's my ideas as a right winger and the left were like, well, here's my ideas as a left winger and a centrist would go, we'll take that bit of that and that bit of that and then that's fine. But the problem with centricism yeah. now is that a lot of people see it as like the left wings over here going, people are starving and we need to feed them. And the right wings like kill the babies. And then the centrists are like, I mean, both of you both of you need to calm down and that's yeah. why people get annoyed with centrists but at the same time that's when as a centrist you go i'll take the babies from here you eat the babies and then look i fucking solved it this is what i mean centrism wins every time <laughs> so i think when it comes down to the way people act about centrism i both get it and i don't like i i, I look at the way the tories are and i'm like really really you want to be on the fence about this but at the same time we do have to be pragmatic. And this is why I get so annoyed sometimes. People in this country have to realize that it's not polarized. Everybody sits in the middle somewhere. Mm. The center is the biggest fucking place. So it's like, if your ideas are really far left and progressive, that is fantastic. You might not get them in 10, 15, 20 years. I've given up with some of the things that I think are gonna happen in my lifetime. But people aren't as far right as we think either. They just get fed this narrative. And if we could break that line of sight, if we could stop people blaming the foreigners, the gays, the trans, like then they would actually be quite decent people. Yeah, yeah. And it's it, it's important also to remember that in my experience, and I appreciate that I move in some circles where my experience may be somewhat warped and jaded, but in my experience, when people on the very far left of the political landscape uh are irate and angry and call me names uh and create memes or whatever i genuinely feel like for the most part and maybe i'm being too forgiving here for the most part i think their anger is coming from a good place uh 
you know, they want these things. They want life to be better for the whole of society. They want the, the services to be reinstated over here. They don't want their dad to have to catch three buses to get to the nearest NHS walk-in centre, etc., etc. right? When you talk to pe- their counterparts on the far right, the stuff that they're angry about is not coming from a good place. And I'm not suggesting that everyone on the right is evil or everyone on the left is a fucking frothing, you know, Che Guevara fan. But my experience of both of those people on the in the extremes is that these guys on the left tend to be coming from a good place. And the, the far right guys, I mean, even just the phrase far right sort of speaks for itself, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's just such a weird thing to try and have a conversation with someone who's so entrenched in their politics mm. and they both are for better or worse and that that's not an insult to anybody that's on well it isn't it's everything's an insult to the far right because you're all dickheads but um like if you're really entrenched in far leftist politics the only thing i will say is and it always makes me laugh everyone who's on the further left is what i tend to call it is really entrenched in their idealized version of politics and what they want and how they want to get it and that's fine that's absolutely fine but the problem is when someone comes from outside like me, who's a, like I said, I'm a more patient far lefty is, is the way I say it. Cause I've got long-term plans for how to get us to, to be that, to be far left yeah. as a country. But when I come in and I'm like, well, the practicalities of that though, you know, like, cause um, someone the other day was like, we need to replace Kia Starmer with a real socialist. And I'm like, okay, what if we do that? And then he loses the next election and right. then he loses the next election and then he loses the next election. What, what do we do then? No response. And I was like, I'm not asking to be a dick. I'm not trying to trap you. I'm not trying to be like, see silly far lefty. I know better <laughs> than you. I'm literally asking you if, if we get another socialist person to lead the labor party and the labor party's popularity tanks, what's your plan? Mm. Because it's, it's great to be a socialist but not if you're always in opposition. If mm. you want to implement actual policy, you've got to claw your way closer to power. So you need to be with someone who will be electable, like Keir Starmer, who people don't like, or whoever the hell's going to replace him if he steps down because of his party gate, blah, blah, blah. You have to lobby the people like that that get you elected to get some of the policy that you want. Mm. That's the way that I see it happening. And, you know, just as an aside, one of our friends has said to us, I don't see why it's always us, the far left, that have to make the sacrifices. And I don't either. I think it's unfair. Mm. But that's the world in which we live, where a disturbing amount of people think that Boris Johnson's brilliant. It would take a huge tidal wave of media management, which even just saying that sounds gross, right? Because you talk about people's lives and facilities and support structures that they desperately need. But it would take a lot of PR to to, to move the dial to make the general public sign up for a fire-breathing socialist, the likes of which a lot of these people is like that's what they want. Uh, to get people to to sign up for true red socialism, I was about to say true blue. I realised it was the wrong colour. Forgive me. <laughs> uh, to to sign up for a real, I mean, I guess what they're looking for is a sort of you know a mining town or ex-labor town, uh, northern guy, socialist roots. Um, who knows what it's like to be a working class lad who's now come up through the ranks in Labour. And I'm for that. And I'm not saying that can't happen, but you would need to market it to people in a way that it was uh, accessible for them politically. It would need to be, they'd need to 
position themselves in a way that they outranked or outweighed or outperformed uh articulate um I'm, I'm not saying i'm impressed by them but impressive uh, uh adversarial candidates both within labor and within the tories who were going to have networks and friends in those upper echelons of those broadcasters and newspapers and stuff. And it's just I my personal take on it, and I could be totally wrong, I'm happy to be corrected, but my personal take is that it's utterly unrealistic to think that that type of individual right now, when we're so desperate to attain power and to start reversing some of the carnage that's been created... I think it's unrealistic that you could put somebody like that out there front and center and say, vote for this guy or this woman. I just don't think it would happen. Even Angela Rayner, who I think is fucking amazing. I think if you put her up front and center, I think she'd get mauled. And I think, I she's, I think she's so good at what she does and so impressive. And the journey that she's been on has been incredible. And it's, it's an indictment of society and media in general. But I just, I can't see someone like that winning an election against... The, the, the machine of the Tories, you know? This is the problem in that it's a system that has been built to sustain itself and mm. they are the epitome of it. They are the rich toffs that have yeah. always made these decisions since time immemorial. And even when we've had a leftier government, it's been someone that fits that exact mould, Tony Precisely. Blair. Yeah. And now we've got Keir Starmer who's heading up Labour. And I've said it so many times, where Keir Starmer is like, I'm like, whatever. You know, he's done some stuff that's made me be like, you fucking idiot. Yeah. And then he's done stuff that's made me be like, yeah, good on you. Push that push that thing. Try and get people to vote on that. Mm. Make people listen to you. And I'm not like a huge Starmer fan, but I don't hate him. Just as the same as I was with Jeremy Corbyn. Mm. I was like, yeah, he's all right. Yeah. I, I he- suspect you, me and Tan, unsurprisingly, are, are exactly the same in that respect. Uh, it just seems like you can't be indifferent towards them, but that's how I will always be, mm. always about pretty much every politician. There are a couple of, like I do, I, like I do love Sarah Sultana a little bit. I just <laughs> love her, but like I, I'll, I'll always be fairly indifferent towards the leader because ultimately, you are the the most famous, highest paid secretary in the world. Go push your paper, make yeah. your decisions, do your little ceremonies. I don't care. Go and fix stuff. And then, you know, like have a nice sit down afterwards. I, I don't care. I mean, it's kind of weird to be alive in a, at a time where politicians are like kind of pop stars in a way. Yeah. You know, like to be a fan of a politician is kind of like, when would that ever have happened in any other decade? Would it, like, Am I talking out my ass there or is that a new thing? Well, it's always been... The, the, politics was called the gentleman's game, wasn't it? Or is that football? I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. But it's always been a kind of like, I'm a fan of this particular politician, but it's mm. never been so personal. Like, like take Johnson, for example. Mm. If he hadn't taken the country, bent it over and stuck it in dry and gone, ah, you like that, don't you, you belly? Jesus, sod. Christ, then, Davey. I would have been like <laughs> indifferent towards him, but everything I've learned throughout the man, everything I've learned about him and his personal life has been against my knowledge. But I know that he's had two affairs, one of which was with a wife that had cancer. I know he's been fired twice for lying. I know that he likes fucking god awful furniture. I know that he's got like seven children. Yeah. And I know that the other day he asked someone to murder his dog. Like, I don't want to know this shit. Yeah. I just want you to be there and do the fucking job and make the country better. But you aren't. You suck. Yeah. You're so bad at your job. 
and there still he sits. And I'm like, how is this happening? You wouldn't accept this from, if I went into like Starbucks and the person behind the thing was like, yeah, so right, right. When there was all the lockdown and stuff, right, I was purposely having parties and like I might have spread the virus everywhere. I would be like, right, well, I'm not fucking coming in here then. Yeah. But we'll accept that from the prime minister. <laughs> you would cancel Starbucks, really? <laughs> Absolutely, with pleasure, especially because they still don't pay the fucking taxes. Cunts. Um, let's let's move on because we still got one more topic I want to uh, cover, and uh, then I'm going to hit you with some quick fire questions um, because I will employ hack features for this podcast if I should so wish. Exciting. Uh, this week saw the conclusion of the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. Um, uh, the U.S. court found in favour of Johnny Depp that his ex-wife Amber Heard had indeed defamed him when she wrote an op-ed speaking about her experience as a survivor of domestic violence. Now, as far as I can see, he presented evidence that backed up his testimony. He had incredibly expensive lawyers, as you might expect for a Hollywood star with about, I don't know, 200 million in the bank or some, some something around. I'm sure it's in hundreds of millions. Um, and it sounds like I mean, I'm not an expert in all things feminism, misogyny. Uh, I don't know anyone that's gone through that experience, but it sounds like he was a huge piece of shit to her a lot. Um, but it also sounds like, you know, in the, in the interest of balance, it sounds like she may have been a bit of a loony. And I know that's not going to win me any awards from like, you know, support mental health, hashtag be kind lobby or anything. Uh, but I did, like my takeaway from it, and I'll get yours in in a second. Um, my takeaway was that it, it it felt like two incredibly out of touch millionaires who shouldn't be together, but instead of breaking up and just fucking other people, they write op eds and sue one another. You know, like it felt like this could have all been handled privately. Like you don't want to see me anymore? No, okay, well I'll, I'm over here. Call me if you need. You know. But instead, we have this huge Hollywood kind of thing just played out. I don't know. Like, what was, what was your feeling about that case? The whole thing's been gross. Um, is the only thing I can say. Mm. And I've I've really changed my opinion of a few people that I really respected online before, because everybody's fallen into. It. You know, we've talked about the footballification of politics and the dumbing down of it and all that that we've just discussed. Yeah. And that's what this was. This is a case where potentially. We're looking at a man that's hit a woman mm. and or a woman that's hit a man or two people that have domestically abused each other. And instead of treating that with the like severity and the reverence, we've had the memes and the jokes and the, like these fucking losers who like, no offense. Well, in fact, no, not no offense. You know what? If you did do this and you made your entire life about this, then you are a bit sad. Spending your entire evening watching someone's reactions and recording it going I see, see see that bit where she blinked really quick that means she's lying yeah you're not the fucking body language expert body language has long been a contested like science if you want what you're looking at is two people that are talking about terrible things that may or may not have happened to them and the thing that annoys me the most you know, like against my will, again, every time I've scrolled down TikTok, there's been a thing of Johnny Depp sat there with his sunglasses on and his hair tucked back going, I've lost nothing more than everything in my life because of this. And I'm like, 
if true, terrible. But let's not forget that you are one of the highest paid actors in Hollywood. Mm. So I'm pretty sure that you could put on an excellent performance of this. I'm not saying that Johnny Depp is 100% guilty or innocent. What I'm saying is something that people are far too fucking shy to admit. I don't know. Mm. So I don't really want to have a solid opinion. But what I do know is from what I've seen both in the UK case and this case, that's two very deeply damaged people that have been in a relationship, fucked each other up for years and years and years, and now we're smearing each other left, right and center. And I just think it's sad and really gross that people are so willing to throw themselves behind someone because they personally like their movies, which is what it seems like. Yeah, I mean, it's to be fair, you know, I'm I'm being somewhat facetious when I'm saying like, uh, you know, what, like, why did it have to blow up into this big sort of uh i guess the connotations of the it's a sort of hollywood ego war right it's him against her and multi-million dollar fortunes and op-eds and and all that but i suppose a lot of that is kind of out of their control like if he feels genuinely that uh that that op-ed was a uh, like a malicious i guess was the term that they used uh thing that she's targeted at him and he really feels like he didn't do anything wrong, which seems fucking batshit to me, considering what I've read. Uh, then you can see that he would go down the litigation route. Um, what I don't understand is why that needs to be televised. Like, like I get it's America and everything's showbiz and he's a big Hollywood star and, and everything. But there's a lot of litigation that happens in America that is not televised, that doesn't turn into this big media circus. You would think at the bare minimum that even in America that they would have some protection or some control there to say this is look guys i know you want to go crazy i know you want to do the national Enquirer thing the oj simpson trial rehash all that shit. it was great for ratings we get that but unfortunately we have controls in place that when it is a domestic violence case no cameras <laughs> you know like you'd think bare minimum they would do that have some fucking compassion there and just ugh, you know no unfortunately i don't like I think that it sells, doesn't it? Mm. Outrage sells and disgust sells and all of that. But I don't know. It's like it's like I said, you know, I don't I just don't I don't know enough. I didn't I I watched a fair amount of it at the start. Mm. And I understand why people got so swept up in it. And there's no doubt in my mind that she domestically abused him. That whole thing where she was saying like oh oh did i hit you oh poor baby like mm. oh go to the press and tell them that you're an abused man like i i could talk i was like it gave me chills to hear that but yeah. i also know that in the uk 14 out of 16 things that she raised were found to have happened yeah and you know the way that i look at it is from my own perspective because that's the only thing i can ever do if you like if if somewhere out there right now there was recordings of the way that I'd spoken to my ex who like he never physically hit me but he was very abusive with some of the stuff that he did to me if you played out of context some of the clips of stuff that I said to him where you know it was the day after and I was in a really shit mood and he like said something to me I'd be like go fuck yourself you pathetic child people would be like you monster David's David. domestic abuser yeah, And I used to, you know, like people are like, she wasn't scared of him. I'm like, I used to rile him up on purpose because he was such a horrible human being and I was trapped in the house with him and I wanted to vent my frustration. Was it the right thing to do? No. Did it make me sound terrible? Absolutely. Mm. It happened for very specific reasons. And people are really, really willing to cast someone in the role of like, see, she said he was a loser, so she must be an abuser. It's like, what, like, 
in what marriage have you ever had it where you've argued and someone hasn't been like, stop being such a fucking loser? Like, yeah. But people want to see these things in vitro. And the most disturbing thing about it is that people want to see the entire case in in sort of isolation to everything else. But I saw a really brilliant TikToker yesterday who said, you don't understand that this case, this case of a man being vindicated over a woman, despite the fact that there is out there proof that he abused her, mm. is going to affect the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Oh, really? Yeah, it, it's going to feed into it. How though? Like, cause, like Roe v. Wade is about abortion, right, and a, a, a woman's right too. How does domestic abuse work? Like, what's the overlap there? It's more about the fact that she can make the claims and be taken seriously, and blah 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 blah. Yeah. And about kind of how women go about reporting things, or you know, like I mean, there's there's I don't really want to go into the like rape babies and stuff like that. Mm. It feeds into particular things like that, and that it's just such a disturbing thing to think about. Ultimately it should never have been publicized because this is one or the other or both of them talking about domestic abuse and it colors things for other people. I, mm. the reason that I stopped watching it is because I heard like the anger on both of their voices in those tapes. And I was like, this reminds me too much of stuff that's happened to me. I don't want to see this. Mm. And it's like, that's a real situation that some people are going through right now. And it's being fucking televised for people to laugh at and make memes out of. And if you could prove absolutely that one or both of them were lying about something or like, you know, that they cherry picked certain evidence, then I'd be more willing to be like, okay. But at the same time, some of the stuff she's clearly lied about. Again, I did watch some of the trial, like she put up a couple of photos and I was like, that's literally the same photo. You just turned the color up. So it looks like you've got a redder face. But it's like, you know, at one point I started trying to gather evidence that I was like, that I was going through what I was going through. And so I was like doing leading questions and like trying to like get photos together and stuff. It's all gone now because I was like, I'm never going to go to court because the UK is ridiculous. A 1.3 conviction rate for rape now. What's the point? Yeah. But you like, you don't sit there and you don't sit there and record someone unless you are nuts. Mm. Or unless it's a very particular reason. So either way around, she's got serious mental health issues that need to be addressed urgently. Or she's being domestically abused. Or worse, both. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a complex thing, isn't it? It's like you could say he's been abusive to her. Uh, and then on the face of it, as you say, sort of taking various things out of context, it appears as though she's also been abusive back to him. But you could look at that in context and say like, okay, and look, I'm sure they've examined all of this stuff in the, in the court case. Right. But uh, you could say, was she defending herself in that instance? Was she, is there some sort of like psychological thing where you actually internalize the abuse that you yourself have suffered and then visit it upon the abuser or who you perceive to be the abuser. And so then when you're abusing your abuser, are you really, abu you know, like it gets quite levels deep. Like this, like too few people are afraid to admit that they don't know, and mm -hmm. I'm not. Like I don't know, I don't know. I'll never know. Only yeah. those two will know, regardless of this court case. Only those two will know what happened between them. But it's not just that people won't admit that they know. It's that they're so willing to simplify something mm -hmm. as 
horrific as domestic abuse and stick it on TV and be like, oh, my God, did you see the court case last night where she said my dog stepped on a bee? And I'm like, in yeah. any other context, in a movie or something, I'd be like, oh, my God, yeah, I know. It was so funny. In, yeah. in this, I'm like, what are you doing? The worst thing that I saw was, uh, I'm not even joking, someone took the audio of Amber Heard describing one of the alleged assaults. Right. Where he, like, threw her over a table and then sexually assaulted her. And put, like, a superimposition of, like, a, a box of jurors and then got their face on one of the jurors' face and got them to do the, like, like wow. sexual pleasure face. And I was like... Are you so sure? Are you so one hundred percent convinced that this woman is making this up? Yeah. That you want to make an "I wish that was me" joke about that because yeah. that is so sick. And I even commented on it and was like, "This is disgusting." Like whether she, even if she's making it up, this is someone recounting a rape story, mm. and you're making a joke out of it and saying that you wish that was you. Like, are you? actually that insane or like devoid of humanity well there's a big thing about the like the memes uh the gifts that have been created the various like twitter accounts that have sprung up to to spread this stuff yep. uh i read a thing uh last night or the night before whenever the whenever the verdict came in uh and it was saying that they it it is suspected that there's been like entire bot farms contracted in to, oh, yeah. to just funnel out this fucking like mockery and piss taking and as i say like i'll i'll hold my hands up and be like look i i don't know what went on in that marriage it sounded incredibly volatile um i don't think they should have been together i think they should have just split up and gone opposite ways uh uh but for some reason they like now we are where we are you know they've, they've gone into down the avenue of suing and and uh articles in american newspapers um, but I do think it's it's interesting just the level, the fucking voltage behind all of the uh, like the Twitter activity, and I think that the thing that I read somewhere was that it was like they have they they heavily suspect that it's the same bot farms that funnel out this shit as were funneling out like Brexit shit. Like yeah. how wild is that? But when you, you when you think about the long-term repercussions of a case like this, mm. that's when it starts to be really sinister because it, whether like taking the, is Amber Heard telling the truth or not thing out of it. Mm. If a woman is completely discredited and shamed and made fun of and nothing for coming forward about domestic abuse. Yeah. What does that say about the future? What does it say about women's rights and women's equality? What happens when the next big person steps forward and says, I was sexually assaulted by, you know, the next Weinstein. I was sexually assaulted by, like, X movie star. Mm. And people are going to be like, yeah, but where are you? Well, where Evan, are you, though? Evan Michael Wood, is that her name? She's got a case coming With up against... Marilyn Manson. Yeah, so she'll be the next one. But I do wonder if, you, if you're onto something there in terms of, like, let's say that there was a bot farm uh, uh, perpetuating a lot, of, a lot of this nonsense, a lot of this sort of mockery kind of content. Uh, you might ask yourself, okay, well, like, why would they do that? Let's say it's Putin behind it, and the uh, Russia has a internet internet research agency, right, based in St. Petersburg, I believe. Uh, and you would think, okay, well, they would 
they would push out loads of pro-Brexit stuff uh, to try and split the UK and they would push out a load of uh, Trump stuff uh, to try and split the US. Why would they get behind a celebrity trial, right? But for the reasons that you've just tapped into there in terms of Roan Wade, if this does form, even if it's not a core, like, key pillar of it, but if it does ferment the ground to begin some sort of further uh, furtheration god i'm making up fucking words now but some um perpetuation of the culture war where the division actually moves from trump versus hillary to uh to full-on like women's rights then it kind of makes sense to do something like, like this right and you probably will yeah. see it again with with evan michael wood and uh uh and marilyn manson absolutely like if you think about the reason those those whole things exist for russia it's to sow discontent. Mm. Brexit was great because it was a political movement that was also based very, very thoroughly in like the roots of who you are as a Brit. You know, what do you believe in? Do you think Britain can go on its own and be a strong economy, blah, blah, blah? Yeah. When it comes to this, this is about the fundamentals of women's rights. And, you know, I, I just don't, I again, I just don't know. But is it worth the risk? That, like you've said, I've read the stuff as well saying that Breitbart invested heavily in pushing out this disinformation and working on stories and getting people to publish stories about Amber Heard. Yeah. I think they need not have done it because I think a lot of people have made their minds up already. But when you come down to it, what's the best way to tear an entire society asunder? Focus on 51% of the population yeah, and, and make their rights up for grabs and then feed in with like, oh, well, look at this one. This one lied about domestic assault. Because in again in vitro you're like what a bitch as if she lied about domestic assault who would do that that's but it feeds into the bigger picture of what about when you need to come forward about your domestic assault that you very much experienced in a real way mm. and people are like oh did you step on a bee yeah like what's it going to be like for you then yeah I hadn't even considered that in terms of the repercussions of of uh, some of the memes some of the jokes that have come out will absolutely get wheeled out like people will go down the pub uh and their like female friends will come in the pub and talk about something or share something and it will be dismissed and diluted as though like oh come on i mean look you saw what you saw what happened to amber heard is it like that because that sounded like bullshit you know it's uh yeah i don't know so it's a it's a troubling case and a troubling uh, uh precedent to have set i suppose i guess the main thing i want to say about it is um be 100 percent sure mm be a hundred percent sure about everything that you're saying, because if you're even if you're even wrong about one of the things, you are still making fun of someone that's been through domestic abuse. And I don't want to do that either way around. I don't mm -hmm. want to say he's a dickhead. I don't want to say she's a dickhead because I don't know. I'd rather just tap out and be like, I'm not going to touch either of you with a barge pole because you both seem like very damaged people. Um, and that's where I I end with it. I don't want to find entertainment in people's stories of domestic abuse. Yeah. Yeah, it's nuts, isn't it? It's sort of uh, in infotainment, fact factfotainment. I don't know what the right word would be, but it's yeah, you're right. It's fucking gross. Uh, somebody's just dropped into the live chat. Um, I, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly. Ath Athol Mills. Yeah, hi Athol. Um, he says since the trial started, the amount of cases in the US has been dropped. Uh, has that have dropped by victims has skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. which like you how would you be shocked by that it's like 
Imagine I mean, if, thinking that's what you're going to have to go through. Yeah, if this is the output, imagine this, like seeing people joking about it. And this is so similar, you know, to what you've gone through. And it's your ex-husband. And, uh, you know, there were times that you slapped him back or scratched him. Um, or that you told your friends that, no, it wasn't that big a deal. Don't worry. But, you know, so you've kind of diminished your own case. And you're seeing these parallels with their thing. Uh, you would. I mean, you'd be only human to... to to then think, actually, do you know what? This is just not worth the fucking trouble. I'll, I'll just move states, you know? Um, this is a really uh, depressing subject to uh, to close the uh, the podcast on, Davey, and you've joined me for an hour, so thank you. Um, but I've got some, some quick-fire questions I'm going to throw at you to try and lighten the mood. Are you ready? Hit me, yes. Okay, here we go. So, um, question one. What's your favourite colour? Black, because I'm an emo. What? <laughs> <laughs> What song would play at your funeral? Ooh, that would be uh, Evanescence, My Immortal, because I love that song. Wow, you are emo. Uh, mm-hmm. What would? Who would you like to play you in a movie? Ooh, interesting. Who would you like um, to play you in a movie? Everybody, do you know what I used to get all the time, especially when I had short black hair, was everyone used to say I looked like a younger Keanu Reeves. So I would like a younger Keanu Reeves to play me so that it plays true to life. Young Keanu. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, what's an episode of your life that you would donate to a DVD collection entitled Times I Was a Fucking Belpine? Oh, my God. All the way through university. Christ, <laughs> I feel so bad for everyone that went to university with me because I was... I'd, I'd gone from being so shy to being so opinionated. Mm. And so, like, every class I'd be like, uh, me, this is what I think about this. Uh, and honestly, I look back and I'm like, shut up! Shut the fuck up and let someone else talk! <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so university. Okay. Yes. First year of uni or...? All of it. Oh, right, okay, fine. Uh, have you ever punched anyone? Uh, in self-defense classes and once in real life, yes. Okay. Uh, you said you would like Keanu Reeves to play you in a movie. Who have you actually been told you look like? Literally, I get Keanu Reeves a lot. Um, I tend to get, <laughs> because of my eye shape, I tend to get a lot of like Eastern okay people yeah. like one thing that used to happen whenever i had my hair and eyebrows dyed black and i had no facial hair was i used to get so many japanese people come up to me in the street and start talking to me in japanese and i'd be like what? <laughs> and they'd be like oh sorry do you not speak japanese i'd be like fucking no <laughs> so um I'd pretty much japan okay yeah we can go for <laughs> you know broad stroke there but fine uh What's the last thing you did that you really wish you hadn't? God, um, you can be as liberal with the truth as you like. <laughs> um, I've done some. I've done some sex capades recently, which I've not done. But I guess the best answer to that question is, I wish I'd left my job the very, very second that I got called the F slur instead of sticking around for years afterwards and just Ooh. hating it. Yeah. Does that sort of eat away? Are you just like, I should have just told that motherfucker to piss off? Yeah, I should have just been like, if you're not going to fire him, I quit. Yeah, fair, fair. Uh, Okay, I've got two more to go. Um, Complete this sentence. My name is Davey Moo, and I will set you on fire if you... Breathe. (laughs) No, eat crunchy food. Low bar. Crunchy food, really? 
Yeah, honestly, the noise of like someone sent me a voice clip the other day and they were like, and I literally just sent back, and they were like, what? And I was like, how dare you eat crunchy food in front of me? Wow. So like, so if uh, if I was eating a packet of crisps in front of you, that would upset you? Yes. Wow. Even though even though I don't react to it outwardly now, and I'd be like, oh my, really? I went there too. In my brain, I'd be going, murder him, rip out his soul through his nose. Where does that come from? Why? I don't. I haven't. It's called misophonia, and I've had it since. Like, I, it got really bad when I was a teenager, and I've sort of wrestled it under control now. But okay, all right, good to know. So next time, did I eat crisps in front of you when I saw you at Byline? No, thank God. Yes, okay. <laughs> like, That's why fear. we're still talking, Ed. <laughs> I was like, what if I was like eating Pringles the whole time? And like, I thought we were getting along great. But you, in your mind, you were like, fuck this crunchy motherfucker. Um, I'd have just been like, I'm just going to go and get a beer for like 17 minutes. Yeah. Uh, okay, right. Here we go. So last question, word association. I'm going to say a series of words. You have to say the first word that pops into your head. As soon as I say the word, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, first one. Clouds. Sky. Beer. Drunk. Stupid. Boris Johnson. <laughs> Cocaine. Boris Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> has, he, has he ever been busted for cocaine? Uh, not cocaine, no, but we know that he does it. Okay, all right. Oh, actually, before we go, I've got to jump uh, onto the hashtag. So uh, if anyone is listening to this for the first time... Uh, I'm trying to get Q and A's from from people on Twitter, so I've got a hashtag Boris fuck, fucks livestock, um, <laughs> obviously. So I'm going to go to the browser now and see what's uh, what's what's uh, what's happening on Twitter. So uh, first question, uh, Supertansky is saying predictions for Johnson in coming weeks. We've sort of, we we kind of covered a little bit of this earlier, but let's spool forward past like the next week, next couple of weeks. Do you think he'll still be here leading the Tory party into the next election? No, um, I think the Tory party will eventually rise up and realise that they can't continue to implement stuff mm. with a leader as weak and compromise as him. So I think it's a matter of time. Mm. I think it will be longer than we'd like, but I don't think it will be until until the next election. No. Unless he unless he calls it soon and then we have no choice. I think you're right. I think there'll be I, I think we'll get to a vote of no confidence, then I think he'll win it. But I think through that vote of no confidence, that period, I think a couple of challenges will probably start to poke their heads above the parapet. Uh my money is on Tobias Elwood, um, possibly Johnny Mercer. I don't yeah. know yet if there's maybe Tugendhar I don't know Tugendhar and Elwood are sort of going tit for tat with the should we rejoin the single market thing I think that's staged there is that theory isn't there um which I hadn't considered before our mutual friend mentioned it this morning uh it it would be a clever play be quite quite a, a sort of devious way of handling it best thing to do test the waters see see which which most of the electorate says and then be like oh yeah i was right he's right you know yeah yeah you could be right i don't know i uh, my hope is that either like that it's a two horse race and it's just Tugendar and elwood because the rest of them are fucking hopeless let's move on to next uh next question uh this is from our man in trier um my thoughts and your thoughts on possible leadership challenges 
for the upcoming leadership race to possibly replace Alexander. So we sort of covered that. Um, uh, and then a bit more cheery. What TV shows have you both been binge watching lately? What have you been watching, Davey? I absolutely like inhaled um, Stranger Things. Really? Yeah. And I'm really glad I did. Because people are just so liberal with spoilers online now and it fucks me off. Mm. So I managed to watch it really quickly. And like if, if anybody doesn't know this about me, my dissertation was on horror. I have like hundreds of horror films over there. I'm obsessed with horror. And whilst it's still not the best horror thing on YouTube, uh, on Netflix, this season of Stranger Things does horror fantastically. So if you're a fan of horror, you need to watch it. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I've... I've recently actually just on Stranger Things. I've we did the first season of it. I think uh, I don't know why we stopped watching it. If we, it may even be because we jumped onto Ozark, uh, which I've that's the last big thing that I've got to the end of, and I have to say it was fucking outstanding. I was like, I need to watch that. Yeah, like it's not a horror thing, but it's like sort of it's really gripping, and it's like the 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 um the trajectory that the characters go on is actually quite startling like the beginning the first episodes of it f- from there right up to the last episode you it's kind of like a breaking bad sort of like whoa like these <laughs> these people have changed you know um so i yeah i highly recommend ozark although that's maybe that's an easy recommendation to make um what else have i been watching nothing really nothing's like nothing's like really you know bitten me recently nothing's made me go oh it's fucking amazing most of what i watch tends to be horror i do like um i watched once upon a time which i quite enjoyed because i also love like anything to do with magic and sword fighting because it's cool yeah um but like genuinely and i i get i mention this every opportunity i can um the haunting of hill house is a netflix series the second season's quite good but the first season it's just like it's just a it's a masterclass in what horror should be. It's really? so well done. It's brilliant. The acting is amazing. Cinematography is amazing. Everything's amazing. And also, one of the lead characters, the girl who's also in the second season, she's one of my like I'm gay. Like my sexuality is men, but also like Doja Cat, a couple of actresses, and this girl, like right, because <laughs> she's just so pretty. Um, so I always enjoy watching it because I'm just like, yeah, that's nice. That's good. One to check out. I uh, uh, I, I was just having a quick look to see if there were any more uh, questions on the hashtag. That's it for this time. Um, so we've been chatting for an hour and a quarter, Davey. This is a long episode for me. So uh, we're going to have to wrap it up there. Thank you so much, though, for joining me again tonight for a beer and a chat, putting the world to rights. Uh, again, if it's your first time checking out the podcast, um, there are uh, two episodes every week. On Wednesday, I do a solo episode uh, where I just talk about the news and try to make sense of what's happening in the world uh, on a friday night i get a guest on and we have a beer uh, tonight myself and davy have b- both been enjoying brew dog uh, the exact same brand the exact same uh, specific can not the exact same specific can you know what i mean um uh and yeah uh that that guest might be someone from the world of academia or politics uh or uh, just a good friend um i do run a patreon where i put all of the episodes up first uh and then they go on to the other platforms two or three days later so uh, if you want first access to that and any other bonus content jump on the patreon it's patreon.com slash aid thompson thank you so much i will be back next uh wednesday don't forget to follow davy moo on twitter and tiktok and check out his blog 
Uh, it's called Politically Enraged, and you can find it if you Google it. Uh, I'll catch up with you next week. Once again, thanks, Davey Moo. You're welcome. Good night. Bye. Bye.